Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. Well, as I'm speaking to you today, on the church calendar, it's the day of Pentecost, in which we celebrate God's gift of the Holy Spirit and the fact that as the church, we are a people of the Spirit. Actually, let me rephrase that. As the church, we are a people of the wild spirit. That's the subject and the title of today's message, which is based on the story of Pentecost that's found in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the Spirit came, it came without warning, with a sound like a strong wind, gale force, and no one could tell where it came from. Nor could they even begin to comprehend the scope of it. But as it filled the whole building, as it spread through their ranks like a wildfire, there was no denying its power or its prodding. Suddenly, this same group of disciples who just a few days before were at a loss to say much of anything at all, they were now speaking in languages they barely even heard before. And God's mighty works were being proclaimed in such a way that every single God-fearing Jew from every nation under heaven were hearing the word in their own native tongue. Now to say that this was all pretty amazing, well that's to put it mildly. In truth of fact, everyone was amazed and astonished. Or as the message translation aptly and quite literally puts it, they were blown away unable to figure out for the life of them what was happening. Some of those in the crowd, of course, quickly dismissed what was going on as drunken behavior. I loved how Kay said that. (laughs) They're drinking new wine. But this was only because, quite frankly, they couldn't come up with any other kind of explanation, at least one that was in any way, shape, or form rational. And so that was when as we read our text for this morning, that Peter stood up and backed by the other 11 spoke out with what Luke refers to here as bold urgency. And he tells the hundreds of people, maybe even more than hundreds of people, all those who were gathered there on the streets of Jerusalem, that what was happening was not the product of too much wine too early in the morning, but rather it was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. The fulfillment of a promised time when God's Spirit would be poured out on every kind of people. A time when all those who serve God would know, would know in their heart of hearts, what it was to be filled up with the Spirit of the Lord. Such was the power of Peter's words. Such was the presence of the Spirit that fueled them that a few verses after our text for this morning, we are told that nearly 3,000 people were baptized that day. And they, in turn, committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles to life together and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It was the day of Pentecost. 
the day on which the first believers came alive in their faith, the day when the rock upon Christ planted his church began to support and uphold a community of faith, a community that has in fact grown and taken shape ever since. <clears throat> it was the day of Pentecost, the day in which God was amongst us in power and made us, as his people, not only just a group of believers, mind you, but a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, a people set apart to be Christ's disciples in the world. And that's what we're celebrating today in the church. But you see, friends, what we have to understand that this, this is not a celebration or, that's based on a long-ago, one-time-only event. Rather, on the day of Pentecost, we affirm the fact that God's Holy Spirit is still among us. In fact, it's still loose in the church. It's still running rampant in the world. Today, we celebrate the triumph of the Spirit that makes us the church the spirit that propels us forward as his people. Today we celebrate the church that God intends and has always intended for us to be. A community, a family of God's own spirit. A family that achieves amazing things by the spirit's power. A church that is alive and vibrant and happening a church that is bound together by the love of Christ and driven by the conviction that we, you and you and me, all of us together, are part of God's continuing story of love and redemption. This is the day of Pentecost, friends, and thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit has come and power. It is changing our lives. It is changing the world forever, even now. The question, however, have we forgotten this? There was a book written a few years back by Paul Nixon. And the book was entitled Healing Spiritual Amnesia. And the rather disturbing thesis of this book is that in times like these, churches stagnate, decline, and die. Principally, he says, because they have forgotten who they are. Paul Nixon is an expert in church development. And he writes in this book that a great many churches today are existing without a fully developed sense of Christian identity. A spiritual amnesia is what he calls it, in which congregations are caught up in the day-to-day -day mechanics, the regular routines of church life, and yet are distracted from the holy purposes for which God has called them together as a church. And it's not something they've done on purpose. It's simply forgotten, says Nixon. These churches are doing everything they're supposed to be doing to hold things together from Sunday to Sunday, year to year, generation to generation. And yet in the process of doing the work, 
doing the things that they are used to doing, doing the things they need to do, they've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten the thing that God has called them to be and to do. Now, I know, as I say that, it feels a little bit like a harsh accusation and not something we would want or desire to ascribe to our own congregation, to be sure. And yet, as I think about what Nixon has said here, I have to say it's kind of a valid question, don't you think? Truth be told, friends, as you and I sit in these pews, it's all too easy to forget that the church of Jesus Christ was born on the rush of a mighty wind, not wisping along a faint breeze. And that if we're being honest about it, sometimes it's much more convenient for us as the church to let ourselves live in the mainstream of life rather than remember and embrace the fact that we're called to be people who are existing outside of the predominant culture. And we are people who dedicate ourselves to demonstrating God's love in tangible and sometimes radical ways to all those who are around. It is much easier for us to gather on a Sunday morning for the sake of all the feels, so to speak, than to come here knowing what we're doing is rededicating ourselves to the call to be disciples, to embrace the mandate we're given to live out faith authentically before a watching world. This is the question, and I'll ask it again. Have we forgotten the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives? Have we forgotten? It is very interesting, interesting to me anyway, to note that in the Celtic tradition of faith, the symbol of the Holy Spirit is a bird. But not, as you might imagine, as we so often employ and, and scripture and tradition might suggest, not a dove that's peaceful and serene. Rather, Get this, in the Celtic tradition, the Holy Spirit is represented by a wild goose. And the reason for this, if you start studying the Celtic faith, you'll find that the reason that the wild goose is the symbol of the Holy Spirit is that because wild geese are not controllable. Anybody who knows anything about geese can tell you, you can't contain geese, you can't bend them to your command, they are unpredictable. They will quite often go in the very opposite direction you expect them to go. Likewise, as Jesus himself said, just as the wind blows where it chooses, so it is with God's Spirit. Moreover, as anyone who's ever had a flock of wild geese take residence in their yard can attest, rather than the calm and coo of a morning dove, the song of a wild goose is raucous and loud. It honks, and it honks in a way that's strong and challenging, and if we really want to tell the truth of it, sometimes annoying. But you see, very often that's exactly the way that the Spirit of God calls to us. This is how, at times, God's Spirit demands our attention. 
By the same token, however, wild geese always travel further and better in a flock than alone. They are known not only for their passion, but also for their devotion to one another in the flock. They are loyal. Up in Northfield, nearby to where Scott and Sarah live, there is a house on one of the back roads, and they have geese. And we were actually driving through that one of those roads recently and noticed that uh, the woman who lived in that house either was going for the mail or was going out for a walk, and she was walking back towards her house, and I don't know, not four or five feet in back of her, and as they got closer to the, hall, to the house, in front of her was this great big goose that apparently was well-trained and well-loving and well, uh, to want to be right with that woman. That's how the goose is. And it's much the same thing with the Spirit. That is what is promised to us. A Spirit that is a part not only for us individually, but for us collectively. A Spirit that is devoted to us, come what may. And a Spirit that is always with us, even as it leads us to move out of our safe places to proclaim the gospel in word and in deed. So yes, I do believe that the Holy Spirit can be compared to a wild goose. And one of the great tragedies of the Christian church today is that over the years, across the generations, even in our own time and place, we do everything we can possibly do to domesticate that goose, even when it can't be done. But here's the good news. And the good news is that the Spirit of God cannot, will not be domesticated. And to quote Paul Nixon once again, when we open the doors and windows of a church and our lives to let the wind of God blow through, our faith becomes fresh and firsthand in quality. Life will never be quite the same again. We would do well, friends, to let the wild goose that is the Spirit of God fly, to let it fly as free and as wild as it was born to be. And it might just inspire us as it does to do the same in faith. Just imagine, friends, what it could be like for us as a persons, as a people, and as the church if we did just that. Leonard Sweet is a writer, preacher, professor at Portland Seminary out west, theologian, kind of an iconoclast, and, and actually, in my opinion, he is a spiritual visionary, has been for many years. And some years ago, he wrote an absolutely wonderful piece that was entitled A Magna Carta of Trust by an Out-of-Control Disciple. I like it for the title alone. And it was Sweet's Manifesto back in the day, to be sure, but many years later now, it still holds up. And I think it offers up some very strong advice for Christians and the church in, in these times in which we live. 
It's a little bit too long for me to share with you in its fullness today, but I just want to share with you just a little bit of it. This is what Leonard Sweet says, and I really do think it holds up for us. He writes, I once was a control junkie, but now I am an out-of-control disciple. I've given up my control to God. I trust and obey the Spirit. I've jumped off the fence. I've stepped over the line. I pulled out all the stops. There's no turning back, looking around, slowing down, backing away, letting up or shutting up. I am not here to please the dominant culture. I live to please my Lord and Savior. My spiritual taste buds have graduated from fizz to froth to fire and ice. Don't give me that old-time religion. Don't give me that new-time religion. Give me the all-time religion that's as hard as rock and as soft as snow. He goes on and he says, I've stopped trying to make life work. I've started trying to make life sing. I no longer live by and for anything but everything God-breathed, God-centered, Christ-centered, and spirit-driven. My fundamental identity is that of a disciple of Jesus. But even more, as a disciple of Jesus who lives in Christ, who doesn't walk through history simply in his steps, but seeks to travel more deeply in his spirit. Until he comes again or calls me home, you can find me filling, not killing time, so that one day he will pick me out in the lineup of the ages as one of his own. And then it will be worth it all to hear those words, the most precious words I can ever hope to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful, out-of-control disciple. I love that piece. Well, friends, it is the day of Pentecost. And it is a day for you and for me to remember what it is for us to wholly trust God and to live fully in the Spirit of God. That is what's going to make us individually true disciples and it's what's going to make us collectively the vibrant church that God intends for us to be. Let us never forget, friends, to be like a goose. And let us never forget, in the words of the song, we too were born to be wild. Thanks be to God for sending us his spirit. Amen. And amen. And that's the message entitled, Of the Wild Spirit. It was recorded during our June the 5th service of worship, Pentecost Sunday, at East Congregational Church in Concord, New Hampshire. Where, by the way, we gather for worship every Sunday morning this summer at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, which is just off Essex 16 of I-93 in Concord. So if you're looking for a place to worship this summer, we would love to have you join us. We are a small, mighty, and very welcoming congregation, 
and I think you'll be glad you came. And with that, we come to the close of another episode of this Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.